You're listening to the Astro Backyard Podcast. Capture the night sky. And now, part two of our interview with Scott Roberts and Greg Bragg of Explore Scientific. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the part about the optics, but I wanted to ask you one thing about cleaning the optics, rather. One thing really quickly was you released new mounts last year as well. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, the PMC-8 platform. Open Go yep. 2 on yep. the Lashmani G11, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I love mine. And <laughs> on yeah. the uh, on your other mount, the Exos 2, yeah. which is a 30-pound um, capacity mount. Uh, right. and it, this is all wireless control. Uh, you have a separate app, and it it, it, it works really, really well. Um, uh, so anyone who, who's... Who's considering a new mount? I, I, I would suggest to give the PMC8 series a look. But can you can you give us a little bit more information on? Sure, on sure. That? Both, both mounts are controlled by the same electronics and uh, the same motor system. They're connected a little different. Uh, the G11 is a direct connect from the uh, stepper motor to the worm block, and the Exos2 is a, a belt drive system with the stepper motor. Uh, and those are uh, all controlled through the electronic box. The only thing that has to be plugged in from the electronic box is a cable from the box to the motor. Uh, that's the control system. And then nothing else has to be connected to make the mount move uh, except a wireless connection from a Windows tablet uh, or a Windows PC. And we're in the final test phase right now of uh, Android. Uh, so Android tablets uh, will be available for operating this system wow. pretty soon. We think within, you know, the next three to five months. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're into it pretty good right now. So we're hopeful that it's fully, you know, shaken out in the next, uh, the next few months. Uh, so that'll be a, a, a nice advantage. And then once that's done, we'll, we'll begin work on an Apple operating system. Uh, an iOS system mm-hmm. uh, that'll take a little longer because it's a total rewrite. But we are talking to, to uh, other companies about giving us their interface or, or allowing our scopes to work with their um, software systems. We also allow any ASCOM driver uh, design software to connect to the PMCA without wires. Uh, all wireless uh, drivers now work so. From, uh, I, I believe we have the, if not the only, one of the very few as, uh, wireless ASCOM drivers that are out there, and that is also open source, yeah. uh, that our ASCOM, our ASCOM driver system. So the, the open source part of this is really what's different about the PMC-8. Uh, you know, coming from um, a company that uh, had lots of secrets uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, was very keen on patenting uh, uh, lots of things and, you know, uh, trying to more or less own uh, go-to technology, uh, you know, I'm, I'm much more interested in seeing what the community wants to do with open go- with, uh, go-to technology. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not our hobby, it's their hobby. It's not our lifestyle, it's theirs, you know. And so I can't tell you how many uh, research facilities, universities, very... Uh, uh, bright and interested uh, uh, computer programmers would contact uh, contact me when I was working for the other company and would ask for some release of the code. Um, 
even, you know, they, they would assign non-disclosures, all kinds of things. But that wasn't going to happen, you know. And uh, so, uh, you know, I've taken, you know, 180 degrees the other direction on this. I, I would love to see someone come out with a, uh, a go-to interface that absolutely blows away what we have, you know. Um, That's amazing. I, I think that would be fantastic. And for all the universities and research institutions out there that want to use go to, a go-to system uh, and be able to get into the guts of it and control it for whatever reason that they want to, you know, there's a lot of non-astronomy applications that mounts can be used for, and um, so that's um, that's that's the that that's the idea behind that. But all the ASCOM all the ASCOM software on the marketplace connects without a cable. And uh, and can be controlled by you know SkyX and Cart de Seal and uh, Worldwide Telescope and all all yeah, everybody knows all the ASCOM compliant software packages out there, but they can be uh, attached uh, with a cable or wirelessly, and most people that are using them are are using them wireless, and uh, and and everything's working quite well. The uh, software we give you is called Explore Stars. It's a uh, 70,000 database uh, piece of software that, that we wrote in-house, essentially, and uh, started from scratch, pretty much, to uh, build a real simple operating system to do a two- or three-star alignment and, and, you know, look at a lot of objects with. And uh, people are finding that to be, you know, super interactive, uh, very uh, intelligent, very super uh, user-friendly and, and really enjoy uh, at least the starting phase of using that mount. Uh, the more serious amateur astronomers, especially astrophotographers, are using ASCOM compliant software in most cases. So they're using a PC and connecting wirelessly to our mount and operating it that way as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. And if anybody wanted to see one of these mounts in action, you bring them with you to the star parties. Mm -hmm. At, uh, at Peach State Star Party, we had two G11s and an Exos 2 running the whole time. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we we ran a one a G11 with the 165 FPL 53 on it, one with the 152 FCD1 um, triplet ED, and then we had a 102. Uh, I'm sorry, a 115 FPL 53 on the Exos 2. So it was they were loaded up with some nice equipment and let people look at and play with them at the same time. We had a couple of guys, you know, operating them. We were so busy. Uh, at that event, we had uh, we had some of the star uh, the astronomy club members that put on the event, helping us run the mounts and showing people how they work. So it's pretty fun. That's great. Hey Trevor, can you imagine 165 millimeter in in your backyard right now? I can't even imagine. <laughs> we can no. make it happen for you. I promise. <laughs> That's a monster. <laughs> it's a beautiful scope. Really is amazing. Um, you ask about cleaning. Yes. Yeah. So we we, we, we got. I get customers. I know Trevor. You've gotten messages from people as well, asking lots I, I, of messages about it, cleaning in your your scope okay. as well. I think you you were ask you mentioned. Yep, yep. Um, it's due, and I I want to do it right, and and that's how everyone kind of feels about it. They just don't want to make a mis uh, a critical mistake there. So, okay. uh, hearing some information about how to do it properly would be great. Sure. Uh, one of the things I will bring up about the, the as, an aspect of cleaning or, or just looking at a telescope. A lot of amateur astronomers look at telescopes differently than, say, professional astronomers do, you know? To a professional astronomer, a telescope is a, is a wrench or a hammer, 
okay, to get the job done. Uh, and to amateur astronomers, they look at telescopes as almost like jewelry. You know, the scope not only has to perform at the diffraction limit, not only has to do all these things and, and give research level type performance, but it has to be spectacularly beautiful, you know. Exterior-wise and interior-wise. And interior-wise. So when, when you get a lot of amateur astronomers and they get their first telescope, the first thing they do is they start looking at the optics themselves. Tiny things like sleeks, a speck of dust, this kind of thing, drive some people absolutely crazy, okay? They, they um, a sleek, for example, and this is something... I, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent in my life explaining what sleeks are, okay? <laughs> but sleeks are actually are in, in a coating on, on an optic. They're, they're most easily seen on mirrored optics, but you can also see them on transmission optics. And it looks to them and to the average person or anyone, I mean, the first time I actually started paying attention to them, I absolutely thought it was a scratch, you know? But a scratch into glass uh, actually has jagged edges. You can see with a, a magnifying glass, you can see broken glass on either side of the gash that's into glass. Um, a sleek looks like a thin, a very thin, usually bright line. Uh, uh, sometimes there's a series of them. They have absolutely zero effect on the image. Absolutely zero effect. They're in the coating. They are... Uh, uh, they're thinner than, than a human hair. They are, um, uh, and they happen during the coating process. If you strip the coatings off and reapply coatings, you would find them someplace else on the optic, okay? If you're lucky, by some miracle, okay, uh, it's possible to get a sleek-free coating, okay? Um, usually on smaller optics, you don't find them, um, uh, but uh, that's only because uh, a lot of when they coat optics, especially small ones, they put them they put them in a tray with a bunch of other ones. Okay, and some of those are actually rejected just because the manufacturer knows that if a customer sees a sleek or too many of them, that they're going to think it's defective. Right. Okay. So that's just, that's just one aspect. Uh, seeing a speck of dust or a few specks of dust between uh, lens elements, okay? A lot of people get very, very uh, anxious about that kind of thing as well because they know they can't get in there. They're absolutely convinced that it's going to disturb the star images that they're looking at, whether it's through an eyepiece or a telescope. Uh, again, that situation is, um, you know, a, a, a false situation because... Uh, it also will affect, does not affect performance. Your, your eye can't focus at the point where the objective lens is. And, um, you know, it, it, depending on where it is in the eyepiece, if you had it at the, at the field stop, yes, you could probably find it uh, if you were looking at, uh, you know, uh, the sky, for example, like a lit sky, all right? But uh, other than that, no, you're not, you're not going to see these things typically. Uh, so... One of the things that is uh, suggested by most manufacturers is not to clean your optics too often, okay? Or at all. Or at all. Uh, and manufacturers a long time ago, uh, when they, especially when they first started doing multi-coatings, 
Uh, I can remember in the cam industry, they told you not to clean any of the coatings for any reason, okay? And the reason why is that a lot of multi-coatings a long time ago were soft yeah. and they would come off, okay? Especially right. if you use the wrong kind of cleaning solution. Uh, uh, that's not the case uh, anymore, and it hasn't been the case for a very long time. Uh, but uh, knowing that you can have quite a few specks of dust uh, on an optic and still not see any performance decrease, uh, most manufacturers say, look, if, it's, if it doesn't have to be clean, don't clean it, okay? Um, but uh, the, the proper way to clean it uh, would be um, to use uh, either, you know, you can use commercial lens cleaning liquids. You can make your own. The way that I make my own is I, I use uh, one-third isopropyl alcohol, you know, 90% or better. I use two-thirds distilled water. And then my secret ingredient is formula 409, okay? <laughs> I, so a quart of that, okay, um, uh, or, you know, uh, a quart, I'll, I'll put like three drops of formula 409. And that just uh, can add to, uh, you just add a little bit of detergent to remove some uh, greases, uh, makeup, fingerprints, peanut butter, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know mascara, uh, all kinds of stuff that might get on an optic. Uh, tree resins and stuff like that also get, um, you know, get on op on optics. And so uh, I would say that mo probably one of the most challenging things to clean is an eyepiece. And uh, so the, what I used to suggest uh, for cleaning eyepieces is that you would use um, a tissue that did not have fiberglass in it, okay? And then you'll find out that there's a lot of tissues that, that actually use fiberglass in the material. Uh, uh, there's a brand called Kleenex and they make a, uh, a type of tissue called Softique. Softique, from what I understand its history was, is that it was developed for the military. Exactly before, I'm not sure. Uh, but that, that tissue does not have fiberglass in it. Uh, of course, you would want the unscented, unlotioned uh, tissues. And, um, or the other thing to use would be um, would be, uh, you know, commercial lens cleaning tissues uh, that are designed for, you know, cleaning camera optics, for example. Or eyeglasses and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, those are all safe. Those are all safe. Um, but uh, to clean an eyepiece, what I would do is I would take tissue and I would roll it to maybe, you know, just a few millimeters thick, and then I would break it in half so I had two wands, okay? The first thing to do, of course, is to take something like a, camel hair brush, camera shops sell them, okay? And to uh, uh, dust off the optic or to use compressed air. You can use compressed air first, try to blow off the dust, stubborn particles, take off with camel hair brush. And then what you would do is you would apply lens cleaning solution only to the tissue, okay? And then you would start from the edges and circle your way into the center, okay? pushing dust or dirt or grime into the center. And then you could come in with the other one that's clean and, um, uh, and, and clean it up. And then you would do that you know, two or three times until you got the optic clean. It's a very tedious exercise with eyepieces. This is one of the reasons why I made my eyepieces waterproof. In contrast, our eyepieces 
you pull off the rubber eye cup or the silicone eye cup, you run it under uh, water from your sink, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, don't do this with any other eyepieces, <laughs> okay? <Yeah. laughs> and then what you could do is you could literally pour um, something like Dawn dishwashing liquid, okay, on it, uh, or you could use my, my formula, um, and uh, uh, you, know, you could take off any kind of film of residue that's on there. Uh, you rinse it again with, with water and then spray distilled water on it so that it doesn't leave water spots. Blow dry with compressed air, and it will be as clean as the day it was made in the factory. That's we actually amazing. from a guy that was at the Texas Star Party a couple of years back, and he had all Explore Scientific eyepieces. He took them home after the event, took the eye cups off, put them on the top shelf of his dishwasher, turned the heat off, and washed them in his dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, wow. he's just sure of that. <laughs> and, wow. and it no damage to any of them, and he, uh, you know, uh, let them air dry and then clean them with lens tissue and put the rubber eye cups back on and was done. I, I, I will make a legal disclaimer that <laughs> we do not officially endorse this, okay, but it's something that he does, and, and he says it works fine. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, but cleaning large optics, uh, you know, uh, to wash like a, or to clean a uh, telescope mirror, for example, you would use the same technique as I described of running it underwater using uh, uh, a lens cleaner on there. But there's a lot of different ways to clean optics. There is, there are films that you can spray onto a, an optic and peel it off. Okay, um, that, that seems to be a very expensive way to do it, but uh, some people very much like that, and it does get the optics extremely clean. I've seen it work. Um, so the, those are things that you can use. Um, uh, you can, um, uh, again, you can go and buy all the commercial lens cleaning kits and stuff like that, either at a camera shop or a telescope shop. You know, Steve, you probably sell something that, that is like a mirror cleaning kit or optics cleaning kit. Yes. Uh, and and those, are, those are great because they give you all the tools that you need. Um, uh, the... Um, uh, you know, if you're cleaning a lot of optics, you know, mixing your own is is a lot less expensive way to go. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, if you just own, let's say, under 10 telescopes in your arsenal, you probably aren't going to do a lot of cleaning. OK, if you run a telescope company, you're going to be doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I qualify for 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 that thing because I have more than ten telescopes of my own. Yeah, that's right. And the other the other thing you have to know is that uh, what we've been talking about are primarily refractors. Uh, you don't want to do that cleaning process with a, uh, a daub or a Newtonian or a mirror-based system because generally those are surface-coated mirrors, and you do not want to touch them with anything. Right. Uh, you want to rinse them. Uh, there's very, very unique uh, uh, principles behind cleaning a mirrored optic, but um, uh, probably don't have time to go into that at this moment. But there sure. is a whole different process than what we've been referring to. And if, and if anyone owns an Explore Scientific Scope, um, you mentioned before, you guys clean optics. The, yep. People can send them to you. They pay exactly. for the shipping to you. They pay for the shipping back. That's it's correct. Clean, collimated. Um, yeah checked out if there was something on it that was broken be repaired um if it was under warranty if they re registered that registered the warranty within the 60 days um that that's something that they can do with explore scientific absolutely that's yep. right yep 
That's we don't the, people uh, that do that, but we do get occasionally somebody that sends their scope in for that purpose. And usually they're not that bad. Most people are, as Scott mentioned in the original uh, conversation about cleaning, is that a lot of people are a little freaked out by a, a spot or two, and that generally doesn't have any effect on anything, photographically or visually. So most people are just a little bit beyond, uh, uh, they're overly concerned about something they don't really have to be. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I, th this has been a fantastic uh, experience for, for myself. Um, uh, and I, th I thank you uh, for your time. Um, you know, you know, I, I know you're both busy. Uh, if you get a, if you get a chance, um, you know, check out Trevor's website, astorbackyard.com and the pictures he's posting. And they're awesome. all with an explore scientific Carbon oh, fiber. You, man. Hey, man. We awesome. didn't know that. Thanks, buddy. 102 yeah. millimeter scope. Um, it and uh, uh, the work he does is absolutely uh, fantastic. And um, well, we'll definitely check yeah, that out. Yeah, send some to us. We'd love to uh, publish some of those things for you. So. We after our last star party, we decided we wanted to do a photo gallery somewhere on our site. We haven't figured yet how to execute that. We get a lot of pictures from a lot of people, and we. We really want to show them off because they are done with our optics and and uh, we believe they deserve a, a little more attention than someone just, you know, sending them to us, thanking us for, you know, providing them a nice scope. We want to give credit for doing that. So I think we're going to do that pretty soon. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. really good. Gentlemen, again, thank you for your time. Steve, and, thank you. Trevor, thank you. Thanks. And, Thanks, guys. And uh, I'll definitely be in touch. Um, well, and uh, to everybody listening, thank you for, for your time as well and listening to Greg and Scott talk about Explore Scientific and the products that they have. And we will uh, hope that you share this podcast with your friends and tell them to subscribe. Clear skies, everybody. Thank Clear you. Skies. Thanks for having us on. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers.